Coming up today on Abounding Grace. The only way to access God is by Jesus Christ, by faith in him. There is no other way. It's not by religion or by the religious institutions. We have a relationship. Jesus is offering so much more. He's offering us living water that will flow out of our lives like gushing rivers. That's the kind of life he wants to give you, free from sin and bondage. This is amazing grace. It's been said, if you think you're perfect, then try walking on water. That's why we're all in the same boat, pun intended. We need a boat if we're to be out on the water, and we need a savior if perfection is the standard for entrance to heaven. Hello, and welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We're in a series of studies based in the book of Romans, and in chapter two, we discover that religion and rituals will not save us, but Jesus will. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor beginning in verse 21. Well, he says, You who preach that a man should not steal, verse 21, do you steal? You who say do not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who make your boast in the law, do you dishonor God through the breaking of the law? For the name of God is blasphemed. And that's the sad thing. Through our behavior at times, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you as it is written. And I have written next to this in my Bible, my little notes, be ever so careful so that my God is not blaspheme. It makes sense, doesn't it? That from the first few verses that we've read, that now verse 21 through 24, we have bad behavior. Because what you believe, if you believe wrongly, then you're going to behave wrongly. If you have a wrong concept of who God is, then you're going to behave that way. Wrong beliefs lead to bad behavior, especially spiritually. And at this time, do you know the rabbis and the scribes and the Pharisees were actually stealing from people? They were actually taking advantage of people. There was a wave of, of ugliness coming through that even the Talmud itself called out three rabbis by name for their adulteries. Josephus, as he writes, the Jewish historian in Antiquities, in his fourth book, he writes, Let no one blaspheme those gods which other cities esteem, nor may anyone steal what belongs to strange temples, nor take away the gifts that are dedicated to any god. The religious leaders were living lives like the world. And even though, even though they had these lives that everybody could see, they were boasting in the law. Like, I'm religious. I, I have an outward show. I'm okay. It was so bad, so bad that God was blasphemed because of their behavior. And it's sad, isn't it? How much damage has been done to the church by Christians who live their lives religiously and not holy. That we have an attitude of, as long as my religious P's and Q's are in order, then everything's going to be fine. That I'm going to be one kind of person among believers and I'm going to be a totally different person when believers aren't around. So that it's been so bad. It's been so bad that the church at large, the church at large is known as a place where hypocrites gather. That's heavy. 
Now, I've been around Christians long enough where I realize that sometimes what the world perceives as hypocrisy isn't hypocrisy at all. And so that there are those of you here today that maybe someone has accused you of hypocrisy when in reality, you're not really desiring to live hypocrisy. You're just allowing God to work some things out in your life. That you're not perfect. That you're not in a place where, here I am, I'm saved, and every bad thing I've ever done in my life is over perfect. I'm a perfect Christian. You watch out for the lightning because that's not you. I'm not perfect, you're not perfect. And sometimes in our imperfections, we're accused of hypocrisy when, friends, that's not the case at all. However, sometimes they're right. Sometimes they're right. There are those that call upon the name of the Lord on Sunday that call upon the name of the devil on Monday. There are some that call upon the name of the Lord in religion, but only to be religious. Because it's, it's a neat thing to be in a church. God does a wonderful thing among believers. People like to hang out with believers. People like to see the the wonderful truths of God worked out in people's lives. And yet, there can be times where our behavior will then lead to blasphemy of the very God that we love. And the main reason is because no longer are we living a love relationship, but now we're living a legal or a legalistic relationship and trying to impose that on others. And we're one thing in the church and we're one thing in the world and may it not be so. You know, the anniversary of our fellowship's coming up in December, and about that time, my mind starts racing, and I just begin to think back, you know, looking back at what God has done, looking forward at what God wants to do, looking today at what God is doing, and I'm just thinking, you know, we're coming up, some really neat things are going to be happening in our church, some really awesome open doors are going to happen, and I just begin to think, you know, one of the questions I ask myself is, what kind of church do I want to be a part of? Like, what kind of church do I want to raise my kids in? Because that's what I'm doing. Well, what kind of church is it that I want to be around with other believers knowing, hey, hey, listen, this is what God is doing. That God accepts those people that, that don't know him and he loves them. He's not put off by the way a person looks or what their background is. And I pray that's the kind of church we are. We're not put off by all these things. And at the same time, we're not living hypo- hip- hypocritical lives. Are you listening to me? You hear me? It's, this is the thing. If you see me here and I were to bring my family up in a big family picture, ha, 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 we're so good. Joshua, do you love me? I love you, Dad. Caitlin, do you, because I've trained them. Do you love me? Oh, Dad, you're the best. And then we're at King Supers and I'm throwing my kids into the thing. Get out of here. What are you doing, Josh? If you saw that, what would you think? Dad's messed up, man. (laughs) And he's a hypocrite. And I would say, you know what? That's not the kind of life. If I'm going to throw my kids around, I'm going to throw them around in church. (laughs) I don't want to be a hypocritical pastor, man. It's one way all the same. And if God's working on me with my kids, then you need to know God's working with me on my kids. Or if God's working with me in some other area of my life, we need to be real. I want to be a part of a real community of real people that are seeking after the things of the Lord. And it really begins with me, teacher. Do I teach myself? Am I I living the life that I'm expecting to see among the believers as an example? Leaders, your examples. You don't just have a title. I'm a pastor. I'm a leader. I'm an overseer. I'm a teacher. No, you're an example. And so what type of example do you want to give to those that are following you? Oh, we're not perfect, and certainly I can just blow away any preconceived ideas that I'm perfect. And if I ever did tell you I was perfect, just talk to Marie. She'll put it straight. (laughs) But I'll tell you what, I love Jesus with all my heart. And I'm thankful for him every day that he pulled me out of the pit, put my feet on a solid rock. 
And I'm thankful that he'll take knuckleheads like me and he'll pour his Holy Spirit into them and he'll use them. And the same is true for you and whatever you've come from and whatever you're going through and whoever you are, God, he wants so much for you and he loves you. And we don't want to fall into the category where if we're confronted with something like we read in the psalm and teachers are being corrected or believers are being corrected that we come to the place where you're like, you know what, don't correct me because I'm perfect or don't correct me because I'm not open to correction or don't correct me when in reality we need the Lord now more than we did ever before. The days in which we live, we don't want to trust in our religion. Listen, a lot of people are doing that. Religious people, isn't it true that religious people can be some of the hardest to reach with the gospel? Because they're so caught up in tradition. And they're so caught up in man-made rituals. And they're so caught up in this is how it always has been. This is how it's always going to be. When the Holy Spirit wants to do a fresh work, he wants to pour new wine into a new wineskin. Jesus said if he pours wine into an old wineskin, it'll burst. But he wants to do something fresh and he wants to do something new. There's so much pride and there's so much misinformation. And instead of relying upon and trusting in Jesus, so many today trust in their religious affiliations. You know what it sounds like? You'll go up and talk to somebody and say, are you a Christian? Do you, have you ever been born again? And their answer will be, well, of course I am. I'm a Catholic. I'm a Presbyterian. I'm a Methodist. I'm a Lutheran. I mean, I'm a Calvary Chapelite. That's what I am. <laughs> Whatever that is. And you don't hear anybody say, I love Jesus. Yes, I'm born again. God has done a work in my life. It's not by our religious affiliations. Listen, we're not saved by labels and categories. We are saved by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, by faith. It's his grace. And so we don't want to fall back into religion. Flip over. We haven't turned our Bibles very much today. It's John chapter 3. Let's look at it together. John's gospel chapter 3, a little bit to the left of where we're at in Romans. The only way to access God is by Jesus Christ, by faith in him. There is no other way. It's not by religion or by the religious institutions. We have a relationship. Jesus is offering so much more. He's offering us living water that will flow out of our lives like gushing rivers. That's the kind of life he wants to give you, free from sin and bondage. And so Nicodemus, John chapter 3, verse 3 has come to Jesus because he's lived this religious life. That's been the entirety of his life. I've been religious. But I've heard about you, Jesus, and I'm curious. And I want to know what's going on with you because you're different. And what you're teaching is different than I've ever, anything I've ever learned, anything I've ever been taught. And I just want it straight up, Jesus. I want you to tell me what's going on. And he says, and well, let's look at verse 2. This man came by Jesus at night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again. Let me ask you, can you birth yourself again? Yes or no? No way. Nicodemus is like, he's thinking, wait a minute. What, wait, birth, what am I supposed to do? Crawl back in my mom's womb? What are you talking about here? You and I, we cannot give ourselves new birth. No amount of works that we could ever do, no matter church attendance that we would ever have, no matter how many times you've read your Bible, no matter what kind of prayer life you have, you cannot birth yourself again. It's a work of God through the power of his spirit by faith in Jesus Christ. And once you grasp that, then you realize that not only are you born again by the power of God, but now then you live your Christian life by the power of God. And you don't, you'll throw religion away. You don't want anything to do with religion. You want to have that vibrant relationship with Jesus. Notice he says, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And unless you've been a born again today, 
and you might have spent your entire life in church. You might have been raised in church. You might have done all the things Sunday school teachers. You've gone to Christian camp. You've been in church after church. You've been to weddings. You've been to funerals. You've spent your entirety of your life in a church, in a church affiliation. Unless you've been born again, you haven't even seen the kingdom of God yet or the power of God. That everything that you've tasted and everything that you've enjoyed has just been a foretaste of what it would be like the moment, the day that you surrender your life to Jesus. And in just a few moments, if that's you, God, he wants to do a work in your heart. And he's already speaking to you. You sense the conviction of sin in your life right now. You realize you're guilty before God. There's none righteous in this room. No, not one. The difference between the people in this room is not righteousness in the sense of our good works. The difference in this room is that some have the righteousness of Jesus Christ covering them and some are naked spiritually before God because they've tried to cover themselves in their own good works. But today it can all change. You can surrender your life to him. You can come out of that. Because religion will definitely lead you to rituals back in Romans as we wind down. Look at verse 25 of chapter 2. Religion won't save you and neither will rituals. And the Jews had a big ritual. You know what it was? Circumcision. Look at verse 25. For circumcision is indeed profitable if you keep the law. But if you're a breaker of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. Therefore, if an uncircumcised man keeps the righteous requirements of the law, will not his uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? For will not the physically uncircumcised, if he fulfills the law, judge you, even with your own written code and circumcision, are a transgressor of the law? And you're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Paul? Circumcision? Circumcision? We, we don't look at circumcision in the church today, 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 do we? The Jews did. The Jews... Culturally, the way you became a Jew was not just being born into the right family, but if you were a male at eight days old, you would be taken into the rabbi and you would be circumcised. And that would be the outward sign of your association with the covenants and the promises of God. And it was, the idea behind it was to be an outward sign of what God has done inwardly and among the people. And so we don't speak much about circumcision today religiously as a religious ritual. But I'll tell you what we do think talk about as Christians You'll hear things like, you know, it's not circumcision today, it's water baptism. Hey, I've been water baptized. I've gone through catechism. I've been confirmed. I have all of the certificates and all the books that are necessary that my church told me to do. Doesn't that amount to something? Apart from faith, no. That's really important. Because we don't talk a lot about circumcision today, but this is what you'll hear. You'll hear things like, you know what? I'll go drink. I'll go party. I'll go steal. I'll go lie. I'll go take advantage of people. I'll gossip about them. I'll rip people off. And then when somebody calls me on it, my answer will be, hey, wait a minute. Don't judge me, brother. I've been baptized. Listen, you can swim in the waters of baptism all day long, and they can have no effect to you and on you unless you have faith in Jesus Christ. You can swim at the Aurora Reservoir for a week long if you'd like, never come out, have people dunk you a thousand times, but unless you have faith in Jesus Christ, it amounts to nothing. So that when a person that isn't water baptized places their faith in Jesus Christ and begins to live a life of righteousness and holiness and they can't rest on anything except, you know what, I didn't even know I was supposed to be water baptized, I just love Jesus, that's what Paul's saying. Where water baptism can be nothing because of the life that we live. You with me so far? Because this is heavy-duty stuff. This is a message that the world needs to hear because the world is being ripped off by religion. You can't come and say, well, I, my family, you know, we have been lifelong charter members of the church. We, we, we have been there from the very beginning. That won't save you. 
If your heart isn't changed, you can swim in the waters of baptism for hours. You can have your name on the rolls of multiple churches. You can own every Bible translation that's there and never truly be saved. Heavy words. Because it's not rituals that, change, that save, it's faith. External appearances, they certainly are important to people and they can become incredibly dangerous in the realm of our spiritual life. It's not enough just to look like a Christian and sound like a Christian and carry a big Bible and stop cussing and start going to church. Religion tries to change a person from the outside. You know you're caught up in religion when someone says, listen, these are the 10 things you're doing that are bad and here are 10 new things you can start doing that are good and if you just drop the bad and start the good, you're okay. But I'm here to say, listen, if you just allow God to change your life, he will start to do wonderful good things in your life and you will naturally shed the bad things because now you love Jesus and you don't want to break his heart. It's not a list. It's not some outward conformity. God, he wants your heart. By, by faith, God will change you from the inside out. And once Jesus gets on, gets on the inside of a person, watch out. Because great things happen. You know, in our fellowship here at Calvary, in order to be married here, you need to go through premarital. Premarital generally lasts about six months. It's a lot of work that we give to try to equip you and to prepare you as a young couple or not so young couple to be so fully prepared for your marriage. We want to pour into your life. It's not just something that we show up and do the ceremony. We want to be a part of your life. You're part of our church. We want to be a part of your life. And so part of the packet are applications, huge applications. We want to know a lot about you, where you've come from, what's going on in your life. And I have, we have one packet for the gal. We have one packet for the guy. And they need to do all this work before they make their first appointment. Usually, if it's a first appointment with me, it's really the same for all the pastors. I get the, I get the applications. I put them right here on either side of me on my table. And I start to pray and talk with them. What's going on? Why do you want to get married here? How's your wife? Walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Usually, the answer is, we're doing great. We love Jesus. We love everything about him. We are so in love with him, and we're so in love with one another. And to me, that's fantastic. Great answer. But then, as I'm looking at the applications, I'll notice Mary lives at 123 Main Street, apartment number 5. That's great. Great place to live. But Joe, hmm. He lives at 123 Main Street as well, apartment number five. You know the very next question? Why are you living together? In sin. Do you really expect the church to bless you living together in sin? That changes everything, doesn't it? Oh, man. Are you kidding me? We can't get married? I said, well, you can get married here, but you have a choice. You have a choice. Move out. Mary or Joe, move out. Make a commitment to avoid every appearance of evil. Make a commitment that says, you know what? I'm going to live for Jesus Christ and not for this world. And then begins, and listen, if this is you, listen, I want you to prepare for this because then becomes the excuses. Well, we can't afford it. Well, why'd you get yourself in that place in the begin with? Or we don't know if we can do that. And we don't know. And the question then becomes, now we go back and say, how's your walk with Jesus Christ? Is it the same answer you gave me five minutes ago? They go, oh, that's heavy. I'm not getting married here, man. <laughs> Listen, if you want God to bless your marriage, then do it right. Do it as unto the Lord. We might be able to find you somebody to hook up with for six months. It won't be that difficult after all. We're here to help you with your walk. And if that's the foundation that you want in your marriage, then don't you think you would expect a pastor to call you on it? I hope so. 
We're not just going to blindly, well, we got all these marriages and no premarital and you can kind of live how you want and you can call yourself a Christian even though all your neighbors are blaspheming God because of the lifestyle they see you live. I mean, that's not the kind of life you want, is it? That's not the kind of life I want to see you live. It's not the kind of life that God has for you, that higher calling that God has. It's a sin to live together before marriage. And if you're in that sin, repent and do whatever it takes to make it right. I mean, if this is really a serious relationship and you really think you're going to spend the rest of your life with this person, wouldn't a six-month investment in that relationship, a six-month investment of spirituality, of premarital, don't you think it'll go a long way for the rest of your life? Or do you want to keep taking the shortcuts the rest of your life? Do you want to keep saying, well, I'm religiously okay, Ed, and that means I can do whatever I want on the back end. But see, if you're religiously okay, then on the back end, it's going to look at the same as the front end. Does that make sense? Are you with me so far? I've asked you that a couple times because I don't want to lose you. I don't want you to turn me off and go, you know what? That's a little too close to home. The closer, the better. Because God is looking for holiness and purity in his church today, motivated by love. You know, if you want to serve here in the church, you want to take on any responsibility here, we have an application for that as well because we'd like to get to know you. There are three questions on that application that everyone must answer. Number one, are you willing to commit to be faithful in what you're serving here? Are you going to be faithful or is this something you're testing out? Are you really going to be, is this really something God has given to you so you can be faithful because faithfulness is important? Because if we start seeing you start serving and you start pouring into the people, but you're not faithful, you know what's going to happen? You'll bail. And you think you're bailing on the ministry? You're not bailing on the ministry. You're bailing on the people. Because everything about the church is people. It's not ministries and titles and positions. It's people's lives. And we want to know, are you willing, is this, is this something you're committing to? Are you going to be faithful to it? Number two is the second question we ask. Are you willing to joyfully submit to the leaders over you? Whoa, wait a minute. In the world, I don't submit to anybody. Well, here, submission is important. Submission is very important. Are you willing to submit to the leaders over you? And are you willing to submit to the Lord? Very vital. And then the final question on that list is, have you counted the cost? Because it's going to cost you to serve the Lord. It's not something you take on lightly. Have you counted the cost, which might involve sinful habit patterns in your life that need to be shed for the sake of someone else, that you need to exercise your freedom in such a way that's not going to stumble anyone else. And are you counted the cost of what it's going to be to serve? And even if you answer these questions, no, we're here to help you walk alongside to see what the Lord might want to do. But see, when you disappear or you have a commitment here and you disappear, you're, you're, you're hurting people because people have come to depend upon you. And you want to make sure that God's put you there. If you're living in unrepentant sin... But we don't want you to think it's okay. We don't want you to leave here thinking it's okay, it's no big deal, every other church I've went to has put up with it. No, unrepentant sin is not, is not something we want to encourage here in any of our lives. From the pastor to the person that's brand new here day one, unrepentant sin is not good. It's harmful both to you and to the body of believers. And so are you willing to sacrifice for the sake of others? And sometimes we'll hear, well, I'm free to do this and I'm free to do that, but you're really free to obey God. And so, don't trust. Don't trust in your religion. Don't trust in rituals, but have a real relationship with Jesus that will change your life from the inside out. Well, listening friend, maybe you've been trusting in the wrong thing up until now. It's not too late to turn to Jesus right now, and he would love to save you from your sins. If you'd like to talk with someone about this, please don't hesitate to call 877-30-GRACE. And you're listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We're going through Romans right now. To hear today's study again, just visit our website at aboundinggraceradio.com. 
Not long ago, we put this together with you in mind. And there you'll find our podcast, Pastor Ed's blog, our recent radio programs, a place to contact us, and even donate to the ministry as the Lord leads. Once again, that's AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another way to grow on the go is to download our free app. Do a search for Calvary Aurora and listen to Pastor Ed when it's most convenient. This month, we picked out a book we think you'll enjoy. It would even make for a great gift or stocking stuffer. It's The Case for Christmas by Lee Strobel. Sort of like a journalist, Lee Strobel investigates the identity of the child in the manger, focusing on the hows and whys of Christmas. It'll serve to reaffirm your faith and help seekers pursue solid answers about the first coming of Christ. We'll send it your way when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Please remember this radio ministry is made possible through the generous support of listeners like you. And we'd appreciate it if you'd remember us in your year-end giving to the Lord. To request the case for Christmas, please call toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. And as I mentioned a moment ago, you can make a secure donation to the ministry online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Glad you've taken time out for our study in Romans. We'll pick up where we left off next time we get together on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.